Well, again, it is so good to be here. Uh, let me tell you, last week about this time, I was hurting. Um, I, I was around mile 14 or 15 at this time, and I'm going to tell you something. I received a message through my earbuds that was desperately needed. I heard you, church. You encouraged me. Um, I, w- I was struggling. I'm just going to tell you, about the time your message came through to me, when it said, we love you, Brother Jeff, and I heard those cheers and I heard those hand claps, I was hitting what is known as the Queensboro Bridge. It's a very long bridge and it's all uphill. And it was hard. And I'm going to tell you, before I got your message, I looked at that bridge and I'm going to be honest with you, I was scared. Like I knew that I had been running really hard and almost too hard. <laughs> got a little ahead of myself, got a little above the pace that I really needed to be running and I was struggling. Listen, um, it, was, it was dark on that bridge. I kid you not. Uh, there was a top level, and I was on the bottom level of that bridge, and it was dark. And, and, and I was hurting. And then your message came through. You gave me hope. You, you gave me encouragement that I needed. And I don't think that was coincidental at all. God knew the exact message that I would be preaching today. And, and I'm going to tell you, there are going to be times in your life when it gets dark. There are going to be times in this life when you are hurting. And it may not just be a physical hurt. It may be a relational hurt. It may be an emotional hurt. It may be a spiritual hurt. And I'm going to tell you what you need. You need Jesus. You need the hope who is Jesus Christ. And you need to be reminded of that hope. You need someone to encourage you with that hope. And I believe that's what we're going to see today in the life of Paul What I believe we're going to see today in the life of Paul is a courageous faith, an incredible and courageous faith in some really dark and desperate times. Now, last week, Brother Brandon, he covered a lot of ground. He covered almost almost as much ground in one week that I have covered in about eight months. He may have told you that I set him up, and I did. I did. I set him up. I said, Brother Brandon, I need you to preach through about three chapters. And he said, really? I said, yeah, but it all, it all points in one direction. And Brother Brandon shared with you three traits, if you will, three characteristics of Paul's life that were very important. Number one, he told you about Paul's destiny. See, Paul was chosen by God. He was God's chosen instrument to share the gospel with the Gentiles. That was his destiny. God called him out. He also told you about Paul's direction because, listen, when God called him out, (laughs) he wasn't sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with nobody, okay? Paul went from being a murderer, right, being someone who was basically ravaging God's church to being a missionary for Jesus Christ, right? So, So we've seen Paul's destiny and we've seen his direction and then... Brother Brandon shared with you Paul's determination. He was determined, right? Nothing would stop Paul from sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with anybody he came in contact with. Paul understood that he was chosen by God to share the gospel with the Gentiles, but he didn't stop there. He shared it with the Jews too. He he shared it with Pharisees. He shared it with anybody that God put in front of him. So we've seen... We've seen Paul's destiny, we've seen his direction, and we've seen his determination. Now, Brother Brandon also shared a quote with you that I absolutely love, and I want to remind you of that quote this morning because it really plays into Acts chapter 27 
which is where we're going to be in God's Word. This is what Pastor Eric Mason said. Brother Brandon shared this with you last week, but let me share it with you again. Pastor Eric Mason said, we were never called to avoid the darkness. Anybody here ever been scared of the dark before? Right? I know I have. I've shared that with you before. Um, Maybe some of you are scared of the dark now and you just don't want to tell anybody and that's okay. Okay? But listen to what Pastor Eric Mason says. We were never called to avoid the darkness in our world. But rather, we need to put on the armor of God and plant our feet. I love that. Plant our feet on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And here's what we need to do. We need to tackle the darkness in our world. And so as Christ followers today, God has not called you out and said, Oh, you keep being scared of the dark and you avoid the dark. Oh, go the other way. No, 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 no. God has not called you and I out to avoid the darkness. He's called us to walk in the darkness and shine the light of Jesus Christ. That's what he's called us to do. And so we tackle the darkness that we face in this world, but we do so not in and of ourselves. We do so in Christ who is in us. He is the light of the world, and if he is in us, then we can take that light and we can shine it in those dark places. Amen? And I believe we will see that in Paul's life. As a matter of fact, what we're going to see in the next two chapters, and we're going to finish up this book of Acts that we started eight months ago. I think Brother Brandon reminded you all of that. We're going to finish this book up today and next Sunday with these two chapters. Acts 27, what we see, Paul exercises courageous faith in the midst of very dark circumstances. Way back in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, This is what Jesus told his disciples. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. What will you receive when the Holy Spirit comes on you? Power, right? That's not an empty promise. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. So Jesus told his disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. Why? Why will you receive power and what for? Well, here it is. You will be my witnesses. You will receive power from the Holy Spirit to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That means right here where you are. And in all Judea, wherever your foot takes you, and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. And I'm going to tell you, Paul and the people that are with him in Acts chapter 27, they're going to feel like they're at the end of the earth. Right? But that power that Jesus promised him when he was in Jerusalem will also be with him even at what he believes is the end of the earth. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 21, I want to read you some words that Paul said. Listen to these words. He promised, right? Jesus promised the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He promised power. He promised authority. He gave them hope. And this is what Paul said to the church in Ephesus. In chapter 1, verses 18 through 21, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope. You may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. That's you. That's me. That's the church. And in his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same power as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand 
in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Listen, what Paul did, no matter where he was, no matter who he was speaking to, he told them about Jesus Christ. He told them about the hope that they could have, the hope that they could know who is Jesus Christ. He told them about the power that comes upon them through the Holy Spirit of God when they know and they believe in Jesus Christ. And Paul reminds them, this ain't some rinky-tinky power. This is Holy Spirit God power. It's the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Let me ask you a question. Does anybody need some of that power today at home? Does anybody need some of that power today at work? Do you think this church needs that power today in this world? I I think so. Well, here's the thing. If God makes a promise, he keeps it, right? So who's at fault for not believing and using that power? We are. We are. We're the ones at fault. God don't make empty promises. So if you say you need that kind of power, all you got to do is believe it. All you got to do is believe it. And if you believe it, guess what will happen? You'll exercise it. See, what you believe, you exercise. Let me say that again. What you truly believe is what you exercise. What you believe is what drives you forward and moves you forward. And so what can, we're talking about courageous faith, let me ask you a question, and we're going to answer it today, and we're going to answer it next Sunday too, by looking at the life of Paul who is a firm believer and proclaimer of Jesus Christ. What can we do with courageous faith in this world? Brother Jeff, you're telling me Paul's got courageous faith. I think what you're telling me is I need to have courageous faith. But what can my faith, my courageous faith, what did Paul's courageous faith do in his world? Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you the answer to that question. Before we get to the scripture, let me go ahead and give you the answer. What can you do? What can I do? With courageous faith. Here it is. We can lead others. We can lead others to know God's great love and His promises. How? By believing in God's love and promises ourselves. Do you hear what I said? We can actually lead others, non-believers. We can even lead Christ followers who have drifted away from God. We can lead them to know God's love And to know God's promises, how? By believing in God's love and God's power ourselves. Because what we believe in, we will what? Exercise. That means we will live it out loud. So let me ask you a question. Does anybody in here need a little bit of courageous faith today? All you got to do is believe. All you got to do is believe. Don't believe Brother Jeff. Believe God. Believe what God says, and then do it. You ready for this? In Acts chapter 27, what we find is we find Paul setting sail for Rome. But Paul's not alone. As a matter of fact, he's a prisoner. (laughs) He's a prisoner on this ship. Um, And the Lord actually told him that he was going to go to Rome. You remember I told you that a couple of weeks ago in Acts chapter 23, verse 11. The Lord said to him, you must testify about me in Rome. So, He is on a ship headed to Rome because he knows that's what God said he was going to do. And so Paul is just being obedient to what God said for him to do. 
And so the journey that he's about to go on will take many turns. He will encounter many dangers and a couple of stops along the way, one in particular. So we're going to dig in right here in the middle of the chapter. Acts chapter 27, Paul and these companions and these other prisoners and the owner of the ship and the centurion and the pilot, they're all on this ship. And here's where we are. Acts 27, we're going to look at verses 9 through 11. Courageous faith. What does it look like? What can we do with it? We can lead others to know God's love and God's promises by believing ourselves in God's love and God's promises. Acts 27 verse 9, it says, Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. So that time period after the Day of Atonement means the weather's starting to change, right? It's a seasonal thing. And the winds are beginning to blow a little harder, and the air is a little cooler. And, and so we understand that nature is working against people trying to go in this direction. So it says it had already become dangerous because by now it was the day after atonement. So Paul warned them. So Paul stands up on the ship and he tells them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. Verse 11, But the centurion instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. So what we see here is we see Paul recognizing, he's recognizing the environment, he's recognizing the, the difficulties that they're going to face. And listen, this is not, again, this is not a coincidence. What, what had Paul been doing many, many times before? He'd been on a ship. He'd been on these waters. He understood the timing. He understood the seasons. He understood what was taking place. And Paul was looking at all of these people that were on the ship with him, and he valued their lives. Okay? But but don't misunderstand this. Paul is in God's will, and he continues seeking God's will. So Paul knows he's going to get to Rome, and he, he wants to go to Rome because he's in God's will, and he's seeking God's will, but he's also... He's looking out for these people on the ship with him. He trusts God. He's doing what God tells him to do, but he realizes that the lives of many people are at stake. And so what we see here is that that Paul is being obedient to God. He may not recognize the timing. He may not even recognize God's plan in complete detail, but he knows he has to go to Rome. And you might look at this and say, well, why is he trying to stop the trip? Well, I love what Dr. Tony Evans says. Listen to what Dr. Tony Evans says. Because he's not trying to stop the ship, right? He just doesn't understand God's plan fully and completely and how God can work in the storm and through the storm to accomplish his will. And so listen to what Dr. Tony Evans says. He says, Paul was not outside of God's will by talking to these men this way. He was obedient to the Lord, taking his case to Rome, which is where God wanted him to go all along. Paul gave them good advice. He gave the centurion good advice, but Paul's advice was rejected. This is God's will. As a result, the crew and the passengers of the ship were about to enter a terrible storm. 
But clearly, listen to this. This is Dr. Tony Evans, and I love him. Listen to what he says. But clearly, being in the storm does not mean that you are outside of God's will. Y'all want me to say that again? Clearly, being in the storm does not mean that you are outside of God's will. Sometimes it's exactly where He wants you to be so that only He can accomplish His purposes in you and through you. How many times have we said, God, get me out of this storm. God, please don't take me into this storm. God, let me stay over here on land where it's safe and comfortable. Oh, God, please let me get out of here as quick as possible. And here's what we do. We miss God's will because we want our will to be done and not His. And I'm going to tell you, God's will will always be better than yours. You can't plan for yourself as good as God plans for you. Now, you might think you can, but you can't. God's will is always best. Even though sometimes it is dark and it is hard. Little did Paul know. I love this. Paul wasn't avoiding Rome. He wasn't avoiding the plans God had for him. He, he, was, simply, he was simply careful Right? And, and again, I know we want to do that. We want to be that. He was careful. He was natural. He looked at these, these men on the ship and he said, you know what? They have value. They have purpose. I don't want to put them in a situation where they die and they miss their value. They miss their purpose that was given to them by God. But here's the thing. Little did, did Paul know that God would use even the worldly mindset of this centurion, this pilot, and this owner to demonstrate his great love and his great promises not just for Paul, but for everyone on that ship. Listen to me. When you're in the storm, you need to be looking at God and you need to be listening to God because He's doing something incredible. He's doing something incredible. And yes, it might be for you, but yes, it might be for someone else who needs to know God's love and God's promises because you already know God's love and God's promises. So what do you want to do? You want to lead others to know God's love and God's promises. And how do you do that? By believing. Because what is believing? Believing is exercising. Exercising that courageous faith. Verse 14 tells us, look at verse 14. Verse 14 tells us they sailed into a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster. That's pretty, that's pretty powerful. They basically sailed into a hurricane. Okay? Most pilots today would say, let's go around the hurricane. <laughs> Unless you're one of those crazy people that flies those planes into them. Right? I, again, they're crazy. Who am I to call somebody crazy? I mean, I, I run marathons. But anyway, most pilots, most people say, we don't want to go into the hurricane. We want to go the opposite way, or we want to go way around it, right? They're going right into it. And here's the thing. It is God's will. It's God's will. Acts 27, verses 20 through 26 says, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, look at this, 
we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Understand, do you, do you know who theologians believe wrote the book of Acts? And I, I tend to agree with them. Luke, a believer. And look at what he says. We, that means he included, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Do you know what Luke believed? Do you know what many of those people on that ship believed? We're going to die out here. We're going to die out here on these waters. We're going to die in this storm. After they had gone a long time without food, some of us can't go five hours without it. I I said some of us, right, because I'm with you. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up. That's pretty important. Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But, (laughs) I think Paul's starting to understand, we're right where God wants us to be. See, sometimes believers got to take a deep breath, and they got to take a step back, and they got to go, but. But. And so Paul says, but, now I urge you to keep your courage, because not one of you will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God. Don't you love that statement? Keep your courage, men. Paul says, don't be courageous because I'm courageous. You keep your courage, men, because I have faith in God. Don't have faith in me. Believe what I'm telling you because I have faith in God. I love that. He says, I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. In other words, we're going to crash this ship. But have faith in God. Man, I love that. So, so Paul is in God's will. He's seeking God's will. They're in the eye of a hurricane. Everybody on that ship believes we're going to die. They have lost all their hope. And in the midst of this ship, now can you imagine this ship's got to be rocking, right? It's got to be swaying. These waves have got to be crashing. It's got to be really loud. And Paul stands up in the midst, right? He stands up in the midst of all these people. He stands up in the midst of darkness. He stands up in the midst of some very difficult, difficult places. He stands up and he speaks out. I love this. He stands up and he speaks out, but what does he speak? He speaks the hope and the power of the Lord. That's what he gives them. He gives them Jesus Christ. He gives them the Lord. Listen, courageous faith is not about what you can do and say. Courageous faith is believing in the one who says it and does it. Paul doesn't say, hey guys, believe me. Paul says, listen to what I'm telling you because I believe God and I have faith in God and this is what he says. Paul doesn't say, hey guys, let me tell you what I think. Paul says, let me tell you what I know. I know my God and this is what God said and it's going to happen. So Paul's not trying to give them his opinion or his advice. He's giving them the Lord. He's giving them the Lord's word. He's giving them the Lord's love and the Lord's promises. That's what he's doing in the midst 
of a terrible, terrible storm. He says, I have faith in God. I don't know how many of you know it, but there's an old Baptist hymn called Have Faith in God. Anybody know that one? I know Brother Wayne knows it. Both Brother Waynes. In the old hymn, Have Faith in God, the original writer of that song, B.B. McKinney, in the last verse and the chorus, this is what he says. He says, Have faith in God, though all else fail about you. Have faith in God, though all else fail about you. What did these sailors, what did Luke and these prisoners, what did these, these soldiers, this centurion, what did this pilot, what did the owner of the ship, what did they all think was going to happen? We're going to die. We're going to lose it all. Everything around, this ship is going to fail us. The writer of the old hymnal, B.B. McKinney, says, Have faith in God, though everything else fail you. Have faith in God. Why? Because He provides for His own. He cannot fail, though all kingdoms shall perish. He rules and reigns upon His throne. Have faith in God. He's on His throne. Have faith in God. He watches over His own. He cannot fail. He must prevail. So what does the writer of the song say? Have faith in God. Have faith in God. I'm going to tell you, doesn't it? Does it sound like maybe he read this passage of Scripture when he wrote that song? Because <laughs> Paul says, I have faith in God. Why? Because my God is with me. And my God's watching over me. And my God made a promise to me. And I know by now that my God, when he makes a promise, he keeps it. And my God told me that not any one of you would lose your life. Not any one of you would lose your life. So, so guys, have courage. Have courage because I have faith in God. So what does Paul do with his courageous faith? I'll tell you what he does. He leads those on that ship. Soldiers, prisoners, fellow believers traveling with him. He leads them to know the love that God has for him. He leads them to know the promises that God makes him. He could not make anybody else believe. Please understand this. He can't make any of these guys believe. But here's what he can do. He can lead them to know what God says and to see what God does. And that puts them in a place where they now have a choice to believe for themselves. Mamas and daddies, you can't save your children. But you can lead them to know the Savior that you proclaim. Church, you can't save this community. But what you can do is you can lead this community to know the God who saved you through Jesus Christ and you can show them what that faith looks like. You can believe and have that faith and exercise it so that they can come to a place where maybe they too will believe. You do what God's called you to do. He's called you to be His witness. You do what God's called you to do. He's called you to go and tell. And you leave salvation up to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's the only one that can save Not you, not me. Those baptismal waters that were stirred today, that wasn't Brother Jeff. That was God. That life that was changed, Brother Jamie, that that wasn't Jeff. That was God. That's who Paul's proclaiming. I'm looking to my God. Hey, boys, look at my God. I'm listening to my God. Hey, boys, listen listen to what my God says. And then watch what he does. The Bible goes on to tell us of an incredible shipwreck. I don't have time to read the whole passage. 
But the Bible says that some of these travelers during the storm believe they can control their own circumstances. So they eat a little bit and they think, oh, we'll make this ship lighter and we'll just throw some stuff out. So they start throwing stuff off the ship. And they think they can control, right? Well, guess what? Paul already told them, hey, guys, we're going to run aground. This ship's going to crash. He'd already told them that. But they're still trying to control things, right? Well, guess what? There ain't nothing in this life we can control. I hate to bust your bubble. Because I'm a control freak. I like to have control over everything that I can have control over. And here's what I found. And it's taken me 50 years to do it. And I'm still, I'm still fighting it. I ain't got control over nothing. Nothing. But my God's got control over everything. And if I'm his child, I choose to believe what his word says to me. And what his word says for me. And so I ain't got to control everything, even though I think I can, because my God's got control, and I trust His plans and purposes for me. So some believe they can have control, some believe they're doomed, some believe they're going to die, and Paul reassures them of the promises of God. He says, not one of you is going to lose your life. Look at what happens. Verse 33, it says, just before dawn, Paul urged the men to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you, take some food. You need it to survive. They thought they were going to die, right? We're going to die. What what good's food for us? We're going to die. Paul says, no, you need to eat. Why? Because you're going to survive. That's a promise. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks. You see that? In the midst of the hurricane, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of times that we feel like we're going to die, what does Paul do? Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. He's giving thanks in the midst of the terrible circumstances. It says, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all, public. Right? His belief is being exercised. It's being lived out loud, not just talked about in the church house. Not just talked about in the Sunday school room. Not just talked about in the prayer closet of your house. He's telling them in the midst of the storm in a public place. He's talking to men who who haven't believed in God, men who believe in God, men who are wondering if God really is real. He's public with his faith. He's living it out loud. This is courageous faith. He took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. And look at verses 36 and 37. They were all encouraged. And they ate some food themselves. And all together, there were 276 of us on board. So this wasn't wasn't some little boat with 12 disciples in it. right? This wasn't some little boat with with a Sunday school class party with 30 on it. This was a massive boat, a massive ship with 276 people on it. The, the ship, the Bible tells us the ship was torn to pieces. Torn to pieces. Regardless of their best efforts and their belief that they could control, they could not, and the ship was torn to pieces. That's what the Bible says. The soldiers actually said, before we go down, we better kill all these prisoners. So the soldiers were like, hey, huh. We're in charge here, and if by chance one of us lives and prisoners escape, we're going to die anyway, so let's kill all the prisoners. That's that's what was happening. 
They're fixing to kill everybody, including Paul. But the centurion, look at what happens. The centurion wanted to spare Paul and therefore would not allow them to kill any of the prisoners. And guess what verse 44 says? You ready for this? Verse 44 says that in this way, everyone reached land safely. What did Paul tell them was going to happen? Not one of you will lose your life. Not one of you will lose your life because my God said so. So regardless of the environment and regardless of unbelievers' intent, guess whose promise was kept? God's. When God makes a promise, He keeps it. I want to ask you a question. You already know how to answer it because I gave you the answer. What can you do in your world with courageous faith? What can you do in this world with your faith, your courageous faith? I'll tell you what you can do. You can lead others to know God's love, to know God's promises. How? By believing in God's love yourself. By believing in what God says to you yourself. And believing is exercising. How, how many of you, before you sat on that pew, looked to make sure that leg was attached to the floor? Did anybody come in and go, I, I, I don't know about these people at start, but they might be trying to mess me up. I'm going to check this pew out before I sit on it. Did anybody check the pew before you sat on it? Right? Did you feel and make sure somebody didn't put like needles in it and make sure you didn't like poke yourself when you sat down? No. Here, I'm going to tell you what you did. You practiced what I like to call blind faith. You practiced, you exercised what I like to call. You just believed There's a pew. It's got a cushion on it. I'm sitting down. You believed that that cushion and that pew was going to hold you up and that somebody wasn't trying to hurt you. Tell you what, it takes a lot of faith in this world today. We put more faith in the pew we sit on than the God who created us and saved us. You got in your car this morning, right? You got in your car and you drove here. Some of you drove miles here. You know what you did? You passed this car and that car that was riding on the road in front of you. And you just believed that they were going to stay on their side of the road and you were going to stay on yours. You believed that that car, that engine was going to work just fine and get you from point A to point B. You just believed. You know what that is? That's called exercising your faith. You had faith in this thing and that thing. And yet how many times, how many times do we question God? How many times? How many times do we not believe what God has said and what God has done and what God's going to do. What you can do with courageous faith is you can lead others to know God's love for them and God's promises by exercising and believing in those promises yourselves. I'm going to tell you, there's two things that I love about the way this this passage ends and where we're going in Acts 28. Because listen to me, Paul's going to get to where he's supposed to go. You want to know why? Because God said it. God said, you're going to go to Rome. And you're going to testify about me to people that need to hear it. So Paul's going to go where he needs to go. You want to know why? Because God keeps his promises. How many times am I going to have to say that? God keeps his promises. If God says it, God has done it, God is doing it, or God will do it. That's it. God keeps his promises. We don't. Listen, we fail each other all day long, all the time. We make promises and we're not good on it. God is good on His promises. 
He never fails. I think Brother Jess led us in a song about that, right? Right? He's faithful. He's faithful now. I love that song. I was listening to that song last Sunday a couple of times. He's faithful. He keeps his promises. But you want to know what else? God keeps his children too. Huh? God keeps his children. I shared that song with you, Have Faith in God, right? By B.B. McKinney. Remember what he said? He cannot fail. He will prevail. God watches over his own. When God's got you, he's got you. When God's got you, he's got you. And sometimes God's going to lead you, and sometimes God's going to take you, and sometimes God's going to pull you into the midst of some very difficult waters. Some very difficult, some very dark places. Why? Because God's got great purposes and plans for you. God's got got great purposes and plans for others, and He's going to deliver those plans and purposes through you. So my question is this. Do you know God? Do, Do you know God? And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about information. I'm talking about belief. Do you know God? Do you believe God? Do you believe that God created you in His image? Do you believe that God breathed the breath of life into you because you have eternal value and eternal purpose? And if you know God and you believe God, then a great question to ask is this. Are you exercising courageous faith for, for, your, for your husband, wives, for, for your wife, husbands, mom and daddy, for your children? Are you exercising courageous faith? Or are you exercising what if? What if? I'm so tired of what if. You know what I want? I know. I know. I know God. No, I don't know when this storm will end. I don't know if I will make it out of it or not. But I know this. God watches over his own. And if I'm supposed to drown in these waters, I'm going to drown praising him and giving thanks to him. And if I'm supposed to make it out of this, then I'm going to make it out to that next place. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to praise him and thank him. A lot easier said than done. Amen. A lot easier said than done. I wanted to quit last week. I got to mile 19. And I I just, I talked. I I said, text Marty Thomas. I said, I'm hurting. I'd never hurt like this before. All my training. I've run marathons. I got to mile 19 and my legs were just hurt, cramping so bad. And I'm not lying. In my mind, I was thinking I could just pull over in this med tent and stop. I could could lay down and just let them treat me. Somewhere around mile 15, somebody said, we love you, Brother Jeff. I kept getting these messages. I kept getting these messages from people my kids especially, my wife. I got one from Jared Williams. I told him this Wednesday night. 
right when those cramps started shooting up in my legs and I didn't think I could pick them up, I just said, I can't quit. I can't quit. And Jared Williams sent me a message. You got this, man. You can do this. You're being prayed for. It's what you worked for. Don't quit. I can't, like, I can't make this stuff up. And I, I, I was hurting it. Listen to me. The pain didn't go away, but here's what happened. The heart said, you keep moving. Don't walk. Just pick your feet up and keep moving. So I didn't walk. And then I saw some ladies who came all the way to New York to cheer me on. And they're clapping. One of them, crazy woman, jumps across it and starts running on the course with me. I'm not going to say Mallory Williams' name out loud. Okay? I'm not going to. I would never do that to her. But anyway, this crazy woman jumps out. She's running with me. And she knows I'm hurting. And she says, you got this. You got this. God's got you. God's got Just keep moving. And eventually she darted off and I kept going. And I'm going to tell you, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. But I did not quit. You want to know why? Because I was reminded. I was reminded that I am not alone. And even when it hurts, sometimes you just got to keep moving forward. You just got to keep moving forward. Listen to me. That's a... That's a very weak illustration to what's going on in some of your lives. Some of you are going through some major, major heartache and pain and suffering. But the premise is the same. God watches over His own. And God has made beautiful promises to you. And God's love for you will always be greater than anything that you go through in this life. So you just need to be encouraged. Uh, listen, brothers and sisters, you, sometimes you need to stand up and you need to speak out in the midst of the storm and remind people of who they are, whose they are, and why they are. You are God's child. You belong to Him and you are created to glorify Him everywhere, all the time. Not just on the mountain. Not just just at the finish line when they're hanging a pretty medallion around your neck. No. All along the way, trying to get there. You keep moving forward. Have faith in God. Isn't that what Paul said? Have faith in God.